Well, welcome to our service um, today. I do covet your prayers. This week has been a little, there's been a lot happening in our lives. So um, I, as I was reading through this passage that we're going to be looking at, um, we're going to be continuing in our overview of um, starting in Genesis, and then we're moving through, we're at, ready for the book of Exodus now. And I was going to continue with kind of our little bit more timeline view of the book of Exodus, but as I read over the, the book several times in preparation, I was struck by a contrast. So today, we're going to do a little bit of that background to kind of bring us up to speed, um, looking at kind of where we've come from in the book of Genesis. But we're going to spend the majority of the time comparing to or looking at two of the people in the book of Exodus. So if we think about the book of Exodus, there's going to be, it's a little different than Genesis. In Genesis, we have multiple um, characters or heroes that kind of pop up and then they're over with and we move on. Um, it covers, Genesis covers a long period of time. Um, we also have long lifespans. So I don't know if um, you guys struggle with this a little bit. It's a little hard for me to relate to somebody who lives 900 years. That's just hard to get my mind around. Um, and then as we move into Exodus, we're seeing fewer characters, um, really just two main characters, and then a couple other characters. So we really just have Moses and Yahweh. Those are the two characters that are throughout the whole book of Exodus. And then we have some supporting characters like Pharaoh, Aaron. So those are kind of other characters that pop up. But all of a sudden, the book of Exodus becomes much more relatable, at least to me. I'm like, I can put myself in somebody's shoes. And that just, that just becomes, um, I don't know, just more accessible. So I'm excited about that aspect of, of today's sermon. So what we're going to be doing is a little introduction, and then we're going to be looking at a contrast of two people today, and that's going to be Pharaoh and Moses. And I'm just struck with the responses to God, their responses to God. So we're going to spend a good bit of time just in the text reading excerpts from the first 12 chapters and then contrasting those responses. Um, but before we do that, I want to just go back and do a little bit of that background. We've talked about the timeline so that we get this perspective of um, of um, you know where God's plan for His people, and in review, Genesis covered this larger portion, and we're coming to the end of Genesis. And I just want to read um, the first or the last several verses of Genesis. So Genesis fifty, chapter twenty-four, and Joseph said to his brethren, "I am dying." 
But God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abram, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And so we have Joseph dying, and then as we continue the timeline, we have a 300-year period in which the children, Joseph and his brother's descendants, live in Egypt. And I'm going to pick up reading in verse 6 of Exodus um, chapter 1. And so we kind of, we have a little bit of some, you know, background um, kind of genealogy stuff. And then we're moving into Joseph died. And so we pick up kind of where we left off at the end of Genesis. And Joseph died, all of his brothers and that of all generations. So they're all gone. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. And there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and go out, up out of the land. So, we have this setting, and the, um, so we're moving into this um, kind of contrasting who pharaohs, the pharaohs were. And the first thing that I want to, um, actually, let's stop a little bit on that. Um, so there's an introduction to Exodus, and I do want to just go over Exodus as a book. So basically, as Exodus, Exodus, we have the first three chapters, two to three chapters, are an introduction to the book, setting the um, stage for for God delivering his people. And then the next chapters up to chapter about 20, 19, um, is God delivering his people from, um, from Pharaoh, from Egypt. And then the final chapters of Exodus, so the last section of 20 chapters, is God's covenant with, um, with Israel and him revealing himself to them. So that's kind of a breakdown of Exodus, um, just kind of on a very large scale look at it. But now moving on to this whole idea or this whole thing that I want to explore of comparing who Pharaoh was in comparison to um, to jo- um, to Moses. And the first thing, back to um, chapter 1, where it's introducing Pharaoh and the children of Israel have gotten, you know, they, they're a large group of people at this time. We're thinking about 2 million total. Um, we look later on, it says there were 600,000 men, so plus women and children. So that's 
2 million people. So they've grown from 70 to 2 million in about 300 years. Um, but his response to this, Pharaoh's response to this, and I was struck by this, is come let us deal shrewdly. And as I look at my life and the people around me, it's never a good thing when you hear the word shrewdly. If that is a word that describes you, it's probably a cause for concern. And so I would just throw that out there as Christians we should, that should not be a word that describes us because anytime somebody is getting ready to deal shrewdly, they're probably getting ready to do something extremely dishonest or wrong and they're going to justify it. Um, and that's what we see in the next 10 chapters is Pharaoh doing some really, really awful things. Um, So we're going to not read much regarding, but I do want to just give, um, you know, just talk through this a little bit. So we know the story of Moses and the bulrushes, um, and we also know the story of, um, of Moses killing the Egyptians, and then fleeing. And so we have this 40-year period after, well, actually, let's just, let's just read, let's just read um, just a couple verses here at the end of the chapter, starting at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, whom the name of one was Shirfa, and the name of the other was Puha. And he said, when you do the duties of the midwives for the Hebrew women and see them on the birthing stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and saved the male children alive? But the, and the midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt with them, with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was that because of the midwives feared God that he provided Households for them. So the Pharaoh commanded all of his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. So, again, just to bring some context and some reality to this, Pharaoh was, a fa was afraid and he, dealt he was dealing shrewdly and murdering all the boys. Um, and, and I this just grabbed me, and some of it is obviously we're having a little baby boy in a few weeks, and so I'm hit sitting here just thinking about the awfulness of, of what Pharaoh was doing here and, and just the wickedness of that. And ultimately, 
you know, trying to destroy God's people. Um, so, and then we know the story of Moses um, and the bulrushes, um, how God saves Moses and basically then creates a scenario where Pharaoh is providing for the, um, you know, the savior, shall we say, of, um, or God's tool that he is going to use to save the people of um, Israel. So, um, and then we move on, and the next several chapters um, are, you know, the story of Moses um, slaying the Egyptian and then fleeing, and God preparing Moses to be that leader. And then we come to the story of the burning bush, and... I think the thing that I just want to point out here, and I'll read three ver- or two verses that I am going to come back to later on. Then Moses said, I will turn aside, and we're going into, you know, he's seen the burning bush. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. And again, just so struck with Moses' response to God. Um, you know, he, his response is, when God calls him, here am I, Lord. And I just continue to think, you know, as we think about Moses, that's, that's the response that, you know, we all want for our lives. And so, so just to contrast Moses and Pharaoh a little bit here, in the first couple chapters, we see Pharaoh dealing shrewdly and wickedly. And Moses, even when he possibly, you know, is dealing with a situation, as we think of the, um, him killing the Egyptian, he's trying to deal justly. So we see those two contrasted, Pharaoh dealing shrewdly and unjustly, Moses dealing justly and protecting um, out of a good, what I would assume is a good motive. Um, He still definitely killed somebody, but um, different motives and different different kind of um, driving factors there. So moving on to... Um, verse or chapter four. I want to read verses. Um, chapter four, and we're going to read twenty nine through um, through chapter five, verse three. Then Moses and Aaron went out and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then he did the signs. In the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard him that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their afflictions, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. After Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, 
Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord and who and that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I did not know the Lord, nor will I, I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. So they said, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days and journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he falls upon us with pestilence or with the sword. So I think the thing that I was struck with this is, again, just contrasting. We read a few verses ago Moses' response to God when God speaks to him out of the bush. He says, here am I. Pharaoh's response to God is, who are you? And that is just a striking contrast of, you know, are, you know, how are we responding to God? Is it here am I or who are you? Um, so continuing to move, move along in this, we're going to, so and then we, Again, as we walk through the story, we know these, this story so well. So Pharaoh responds in this way, and then, you know, there's this back and forth with Moses and him, and it results into the plagues. So um, we know the, you know, we can go through that. But I want to just point out a couple, two last responses and back and forth. So if we tr turn to... Chapter 10, we're moving into the actual plagues. And we're going to read chapter 10, 13 through 20. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought out an east wind on all that day and all that night. And when the morning, it was morning, the east wind brought locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territories of Egypt. And they were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there ever be such after them. For they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there, was, there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I have sinned against your God and against you. Now therefore please forgive my sin for only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So... He went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind and took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained no locusts in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children go. So I think the thing that I just was struck with in this um, account was we're hopping into you know, the middle of the plagues, and we have this, you know, Pharaoh's calling on God. So, and, but he's calling um, out of a self-serving repentance. And I would just like to point out, if repentance is serving ourselves, it is 
not repentance. And we see that with Pharaoh here. As soon as the pestilence is taken away, he is no longer repentant. And it's just a good um, barometer for us to look at our repentance. If the thing that you know, we're repenting of or the consequence of that thing is taken away, we're no longer repentant. It probably wasn't repentance in the first place. So um, just contrasting that, um, not really a direct contrast to Moses, but we do see that response in Pharaoh. And then finally, moving on to the last plague and well, actually, one more before that. Um, in verse, moving to verse 22, I do want to read this and just this response. And this is Mo, or Moses responding. So, so Moses stretched out his hand toward the heavens, and there was a thick darkness in all the air of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another nor did they rise from this place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwelling. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must give us sacrifice and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock shall go with us, nor a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take heed to yourselves. See my face no more. For in the day you shall see my face, you shall die. So Moses said, you have spoken well, I will never see your face again. And the thing I wanted to draw from this passage was Pharaoh thought that he could negotiate with God. And we see him saying, okay, you can go. But he tried to negotiate, and God does not negotiate. And he tells us what he expects, and there is no negotiation so I, I was just struck, again, with that aspect of how Pharaoh related to God and his response to God. And then finally, we move into the last plague, and that is the plague of losing the firstborn. And I'm just going to read chapter 12, verse 25-29. It will come to pass that when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service... And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you do by means of this service? And then you shall say, it is the Passover, the sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the house of the children of Israel in Egypt 
when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our household. So the people bowed their head and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded them. So did Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass at midnight, the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he, all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, and there was not a house, there was not one, where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise, go out from among my people, both you and the children of Israel. Go serve the Lord, as you have said. Also take your flocks and your herds, so that you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So just contrasting this, and I think the thing that struck me just about this was we started the book, we started this about, you know, this awful thing that happened to, um, that Pharaoh, the Pharaohs were, was doing to the children of Israel. And God did, I, well, I'm going to make this assumption, God did not take joy in punishing and killing all of the firstborn. This was something Pharaoh brought on to his people. So initially, he was doing this awful atrocity to the children of Israel. And then the story ends with his actions causing this same atrocity of death to the children, um, the firstborn children, the firstborn born men, um, to his own people and his own household. And, you know, there, there's a sadness there, but there's also that reality that sin call, causes death. And there is no escaping that. So we have contrasted here Pharaoh and Moses, and there's a lot more about Pharaoh than there is in some ways about Moses and his response to God, but it's so simple that Moses' response was revolving around that response of saying, here am I. His response was to seek justice, stand for God, and ultimately in that difficult time, when God called him, he just continued to say, here am I, and do what God, God asked of him. You know, we, in other parts of um, the text we didn't read, we do see Moses question God at times. He says, hey, I can't talk. I'm not good at standing up. And, you know, I don't know, was that him out of place or not? But, you know, he was human, and he had those questions and all that stuff. But he did what God asked him ultimately. And in contrast to that, we see Pharaoh who dealt shrewdly, who um, tried to bargain with God, compromise with God, and ultimately was cruel and unjust and lost everything. 
if we move forward in the book of Exodus, we'll see, you know, the armies get lost as he then um, hardens his heart again and, um, you know, they get destroyed in the Red Sea. And we continue to see God providing. I just want to go back and close with the challenge in verses um, in chapter 3. I just want to read these verses again because they were really the the thing that just I kept coming back to. Um, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers who has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God has said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to you, to all generations. And as as each of us today continues to seek God, it's so important to know this history that has led us to the point where not only do we you know, know God that is um, in this Old Testament way, but we have God living inside of us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And, but we still have to today continue to say, here I am to God, and continue to open our hearts and our lives to him, continue to be sanctified. And I'm just, it's an encouragement to think about this, to contrast those different people who, and different responses to God. So our, my prayer for each of us this week is that we would just continue that, that answer of, here am I, God. Um, with these thoughts, I'll turn the time back over to Nate and um, turn the time back.